For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast, hosted by the starting kicker of your Golden Gophers, Matthew Trickett, and me, Tony Liebert. Um, for today's episode, we'll be recapping um, the Gophers 2013 hard-fought win over Nebraska in Week 10. Um, and preview this week's upcoming home game with uh, Northwestern. Um, I guess we'll start with uh, your big day kicking against Nebraska. Uh, you hit two uh, two big field goals, 47 and 49 yards. Um, you're now 10 of 11 on the year for field goals and perfect on extra points. Um, so I, I, I guess what's what's working for you? It, it seems like uh, seems like everything's going right for you at this this point. Yeah, um, I mean, and a lot of credit to the O-line and their blocking for all of those. Um, they've done a really good job, and Brady and Crawford, you know, having such great execution that it makes my job a lot easier. So, you know, the guys around me really helped me out and put me in the best position. And then other than that um, – me just going out there, doing my job, knowing that all the points in the game are going to matter. Um. So I actually went to uh, this week's game against Nebraska, and uh, w- where would you rank this again? I guess in atmospheres that you played in, because uh, it definitely is one of the I think cooler college football uh, stadiums. Um, and they obviously sell out every week. Um, but when Nebraska hasn't made a bowl game since 2016. It's obviously a different atmosphere. So kind of how was your opinion playing uh, in Memorial Stadium? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a cool stadium, um, having the seats all the way around. And, I mean, they filled it up just like advertised. So um, it was cool to see that and everything. Obviously, um, I feel like the crowd was really going with the momentum and, 
you know, when we started to come back in the third, they kind of died off. But, you know, they were they were a lot more into the game than I thought they would be for a three and five team at the time. But no, it was it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. I, I think it's it's interesting how Nebraska hasn't made a bullion since 2016 because that, in my opinion, is one of the best places to uh, play a football game in the Big Ten. Um, and they obviously have one of the most diehard fan bases. Uh, they could be one and eight, and I think they'd still sell out. So um, I, I also – it's one of the, like, cooler, I think, like, structurally built stadiums too. It, it's very, like – different than I think an average stadium. And I, I, I just was kind of impressed with the whole atmosphere. Lincoln's an interesting city, but the football stadium's definitely super cool. Yeah, hundred um, percent. When we were driving in from the airport, you can, you know, see the stadium and it kind of just looks like a castle as yeah. you're driving on the highway. So yeah, it has a really cool structure and everything. Um, like the inside of it, the locker room, we were, had to make a couple turns just to get outside to where we had to warm up. Like it was, it was pretty intricate. It was cool. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Um, so obviously another big storyline from the game was uh, Tanner leaving at halftime um, with what seemed to be a head injury um, and Ethan coming in and uh, playing at a very high level um, leading, leading an impressive comeback. Um, I guess from your guys's point of view as a team, um, situation like that when uh, you come out of the locker room with a new quarterback, kind of how did that all happen? Did uh, Coach Fleck announce the team that you guys are rolling with Ethan, or kind of how did everyone on the team figure that out? Um, yeah, I'm not really sure since us specialists, you know, we go in the locker room for quick snack, get our legs back a little bit, and then we're right back out there um, getting more reps in just before this uh, second half starts. So, we leave a lot earlier than everyone else. So yeah. I'm not sure, you know, if something was said in the locker room or whatever it was, but yeah, we just came out there with Ethan the second half. And I think a lot of his confidence and, you know, how poised he was came from uh, the Illinois game, being able to come in there and, you know, figure it out a little bit and then starting the Penn state game. Um, so he's getting some, reps under his belt, which is great. And it was, I think, much needed for this game. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people talking about who should start the rest of the year. Um, obviously, we don't know uh, Tanner's health necessarily for the rest of the year. But uh, we kind of mentioned it, how much everyone in the locker room trusts Ethan. And almost he's just like a QB1A to uh, Tanner. Um that, how did that, I guess, kind of work for this game, too? Because uh, obviously down, uh, getting shut out at halftime, and then you bring in a redshirt freshman QB that only has one start. Uh, kind of, I guess, did, how, how was the feel on the sideline when he started rolling, I guess? Um, for me, it wasn't, you know, just Ethan out there doing it all. It was everybody. And once you get, you know, you're – key players making big plays, you start to feed off that energy and yeah. you start to see their leadership take over on the field as well. So, you know, started the second half, I believe, I think we went down and kicked the field goal. Yeah. 
but you know, points on the very first drive is really important. And then defense comes out three and out three and out, like, you know, everyone started stepping up and it doesn't matter in November what your record is in the big 10, you know, everybody is in the big 10 for a reason. They're all really good teams. So I think the message at halftime was really just, you got to go out there and play like this is big 10 football. This is what it's about. Um, everyone's going to be good. Game plans are going to be good on both sides. It's the players that have to go out there, execute, do their job and go get the victory. And that's exactly how I feel our team did. It wasn't one person coming up big in any areas. It was, it was just spread out throughout the entire team, offense, defense, special teams, everyone going out there and performing the way they needed to in order to get a team win. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I think a lot of people, a lot of fans online and stuff will look at the quarterback situation and say, oh, the uh, Gophers made a change at halftime and then they started playing well. And I think it's just a lot more than that. I think self-admittedly a lot of people on the team would agree that in the first half really nobody was able to seriously get going. Even Mo wasn't even being himself, I think, in that first half. And then in the second half, it seemed like just all 11 guys on both sides of the ball uh, were playing at a high level. And it was way more than just the quarterback position. Obviously, uh, you could argue that a change at that position kind of sparked some uh, momentum everywhere else. But I, it definitely was a lot more than just the QB in the second half. And I think there was really much improved play everywhere on the field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's exactly how our team is built and that's how we win games um so it was good to see everybody starting to follow the culture come together and go out there and perform yeah i, I think i was most impressed honestly with the offensive line in the second half i think uh they the first half was definitely not one of their best showings of the year um led up i think three or four sacks and uh, I think there was negative rushing yards total. And then in the second half, uh, Mo was able to really get going. He finished with 32 carries for 128 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he's now, uh, I believe, the third player in program history to ha uh, excuse me, to have over 4,000 career rushing yards. And now he's 432 yards away from the record. So he'd need to average 108 yards per game uh, the rest of the year if you include the bowl game. Um, and I mean, yeah, overall, the offensive line, I think, just played really well in the second half. I don't think Ethan got sacked after I think Tanner got sacked three or four times in the first half. So, um, I, I think that kind of is what sparked a lot of this offensive success because it just seemed like there were just bigger holes, more time to throw. Um, and that just really opens it up for everyone else, I think. Yeah. Just everybody playing in unison and playing together for each other. Yeah, um, kind of I think the last thing on the quarterback situation, it is going to be an interesting situation to monitor the rest of the year because um, obviously don't want to completely speculate, but it did seem like Tanner left with a head injury, and that would have been his second, and that would be four weeks now. Um, so that obviously in football nowadays, that's something always you want to monitor. Um, and when Ethan is starting to play this well, uh, there's a lot to, I think, for Gophers fans to be excited about for the future. Um, I'm not sure if the future will come yet. Um, and I think Tanner's uh, health will play a large factor into that. But 
I think Ethan's continuing to show there's uh, absolutely no drop off when he's under center. Um, and uh, I think there's plenty of reason to be excited for Gophers fans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ethan is extremely talented. And, you know, when you don't have the same expectation as, you know, the starting quarterback, you know, Tanner's always been under immense amount of pressure. Yeah. And, you know, with Ethan going in there and not having the same expectations, the same pressures put upon him by the fans and everybody else, um, you know, it can see, seem like Ethan is 10 times better than Tanner. But in reality, you know, they're both fantastic quarterbacks and in completely different situations. So I think people on the outside have to take that into perspective as well. Yeah. Like, the coaches that we have here are coaches here for a reason. They're really good at their jobs, right? And they're going to put whoever is best for the team and whoever they believe is going to help us win the most out on the field first. So, you know, I'm not sure with Tanner's health what that's going to look like this next week. Um, but, you know, we trust in the coaches and the coaches reciprocate that trust in us. So, I mean, we just have to follow their game plan and their words of advice and go out there and perform. Yeah, I just oh, – I think so many fans, when they see the team struggling um, and Tanner's been the quarterback for five years now, it's just really easy for an average fan to point their finger at him and blame him for the team's struggles when in all reality we mentioned the – Offensive line didn't play well in the first half. The receivers didn't play well. Um, the defense started out slow. Um, so it was a bad situation for, I think, any quarterback to be in. Um, and when the fans see a player like Ethan, um, it, it, an average fan, uh, just genuinely, when they see a new player at, at quarterback after five years, they're just going to be excited because it's something new and different. And <laughs> obviously when he's making plays like he, he is um, – and he's playing this well, there's obviously reason for them to have opinions on the entire situation. But um, I, I still think that there's really no um, huge change in the position. Um, and there's 11 guys on the football field for a reason. And it's not all the success isn't because of Ethan and the first half struggles weren't because of Tanner. So I, I think that's the easiest way to just end it on. Um, but Kind of going on to the defense, um, it was another really impressive um, adjustments after the first few drives. Uh, Nebraska obviously went down and scored a touchdown on the first drive, um, and then they had two more field goals. But uh, uh, Joe Rossi, I think, is just one of the best defensive coordinators in college football all year. He's done a really good job at um, adjusting on the fly, and I think that's what good football coaches do. Um because everyone can have struggles at the start of the game, but it's what are you going to do when you get knocked down? And I think he's shown uh, to do that at a very high level. Um, most defensive pressures of the season, um, there was four sacks and five tackles for loss. Um, that's something that the defense has struggled with all year. And I think that that aspect, I think, played a big role in the comeback in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, everybody on the team – high high level of respect for coach Rossi and the whole defensive staff because they're able to 
take whoever we have out on the field. You know, we do a lot of subs with personnel on different situations, different downs, and it's just, you know, plug and play really with those guys. They're able to get everybody on the same level communicating really effectively. And, you know, it wasn't the best start as we know, you know, the very first play they broke out a 38 yard run or something like that, which is definitely not the way you intend to start a game at all, but being able to hold Nebraska the rest of the game to just six points shows a lot. I I completely agree with that. And I think overall, this was just a game that uh, good football teams win Uh, because there's obviously a lot, a lot going against you guys. Um, Getting out to a 10 0 uh, hole, uh, not scoring in the first half. Um, But I think anyone watching that game uh, realized that to be only down 10 points at halftime was obviously a huge positive because there wasn't really much that went right for you guys in that first half. Um, I don't have the number here specifically, but you couldn't have had too many um, total yards in the first half. and then in the, in the second half, it just seemed like everything started to click. Um, and, like, games like this, when it is like a 50-50, uh, like a play here, a play there, jump ball there, um, that's where good teams figure out how to squeeze those out. And I think that's something that Coach Fleck has really been able to do the last few years. Uh, last year um, against Nebraska, kind of a similar game last year. And – uh, like that Maryland game last year. There's just these games where there's opportunities for you guys to lose and there's opportunities for you guys to win, and good teams figure out how to be on the positive side, and I think today was more evidence to that. Yeah, and Coach Fleck and the staff, they pride themselves on teaching us how to win. You know, yeah. there's so many different kind of situations that appear in football and not – pausing but being able to hit it full stride and know exactly what you need to do in these different situations and what is going to help the team win you know it's not about we always say losing the game less it's about going out there and winning the game and that was a game that we couldn't lose less we had to out there and win and that's exactly what happened we were able to you know convert when we needed to convert uh, score points uh, when we needed hold them to uh, I think it was like three three and outs in the second half right off the start something like that yeah. where you start setting panic into the other team's head and uh, I'm not sure why Nebraska started throwing in their different quarterbacks or whatnot but you know it's something that we take pride in knowing how to win so that's something that I think is really important because in games like that, it's not always about, uh, you know, who's going to make the play here. It's about, okay, after that play was made, how are you going to respond? How are you going to answer the bell the next time it comes to you? Like kind of stuff like that is, I think, what gives our team a distinct advantage over other teams. Yeah. I I mean, I completely agree with that. And, uh, I, I think that was just evidence of that in this week's game. Um, kind of, I guess, looking at the bigger picture now, uh, two straight wins, um, pretty big after uh, – it was obviously a low point in the season after the Penn State game with three straight losses, uh, six and three on the year now, bowl eligible. Um, technically, 
uh, after Illinois lost to Michigan State last week, uh, you guys are still alive to win the Big Ten West. Uh, the Purdue-Illinois game this week will go a long way in determining, I think, your guys' chances. Um, but I think the biggest uh, picture, I think, from this game is that there's just still a lot to play for this season because – I think if you ask any fans or even any players, um, you guys obviously have the goals to win the Big Ten, win the Big Ten West preseason. Um, but there are still two rivalry games on the table with Iowa and Wisconsin. You got Northwestern this week, um, a nine and three record still on the table. And I think that's something a lot of people would be happy with preseason. You guys obviously have more lofty goals than that. But um I think the last two weeks have shown that this is a good football team because kind of like what I mentioned, these are games that good football teams win. Um, and I think against Purdue, Illinois, and Penn State, those were just – you played good football teams. And uh, sometime, sometimes that just happens. You just run into a team that played better that week. And I think now as the season grows grows older, um, I think the, the cream's rising to the top and it's showing that – uh, you guys are still an upper half team in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we had those goals of, you know, winning the Big Ten West at the beginning of the year. And that's kind of in everybody's minds heading into Big Ten play. And we got to focus on this, focus on that. Um, but, you know, that rough October stretch where we had control and then all of a sudden – we lost control of our own destiny. Uh, you know, that's tough to respond to, but I think it helps focus on the importance of one game at a time now. So, like you said, you know, we still have the two rivalry games left and then another dangerous football team in Northwestern, as we just saw this past weekend, taking on Ohio State. So, we still have a shot, you know, there's that chance. It may not be great, but anything can happen in college football. You know, nobody would have predicted Alabama loses two games this season, but there they are. So not, not everything always goes according to plan or how you want it to go, but you can only handle what's in front of you. And I think that's been really key for us these past two weeks is just focusing on what's, directly ahead of us taking one step at a time and this week it's just going to be focusing on Northwestern how they play um, you know how they intend to win and being able to shut that down yeah I mean uh, kind of I guess rolling into the rest of the Big Ten it was just kind of one of those one of those weeks in college football uh, Michigan ended up blowing out Rutgers but they were trailing at the half and they won uh, 52-17 uh, Illinois, the best team in the Big Ten West, loses to the worst team in the Big Ten East with Michigan State um, and Ohio State, Northwestern. They were in a barn burner for a long time. Uh, Penn State, Indiana was close for a while, and then they pulled away at the end. And then uh, Iowa scored 24 points against Purdue. That's something that I don't think many people would have thought heading into that game. Um, but like you mentioned now, kind of previewing Northwestern, a team that does have a 1-8 and eight record, but they just showed – that they can even play with maybe the best team in college football um, with a very close game. Um, I know this game is obviously going to be at Huntington Bank Stadium compared to um, in Evanston against Ohio State that they just played. But Northwestern's always a team you have to watch out for because uh, kind of like a Rutgers team, 
Uh, they're never going to shoot themselves in the foot. They don't make many mistakes, and those are kind of the hardest teams to put away at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're very well coached, and what was it? I think 2018, they were Big Ten West champs, and 2020 as well. So, you know, I feel like Northwestern is always constantly riding the roller coaster of highs and lows, and yeah. <laughs> You know, you you never know exactly what you're going to get, but you know for sure that they're a well-coached team and they're going to go out there and give it their all. It doesn't matter who's across from them. They're going to fight and scrap until the very end. So, like you said, it's going to be a tough game to really put them away and, you know, put the finishing touches on it. But that's something that this team, I think, is able to do compared to the rest of the teams that I've been on. Um, you know, late in the fourth quarter, we're able to finish the game um, when we're ahead. So I think we have the capability of definitely putting them away, but it is not going to be a typical, you know, one and eight team. It's going to be a team fighting for everything that they have, even though for in most people's minds, their season is long long gone yeah I, I mean i completely agree with that i think that's really just northwestern football in a nutshell virtually um but uh before we before we get out of here i want to tell i think a a story about uh my travel back from nebraska so um we so i me and my roommate we got an opportunity to get like free uh flight and free tickets uh to the game with um kind of like uh, some like alumni and parents traveling to the game um, on like a charter flight. And um, so we got to the game and everything and it worked out smoothly. But then when we came back, uh, we were supposed to leave, leave at uh, go back to the airport at like five o'clock. And then they said the flight got delayed. So then uh, seven o'clock, we hop on the buses, go back to the airport. And so it's like 150 Gophers fans, maybe um, all, all here. And uh we're sitting in like uh, the Lincoln airport, super small. I think they have two or three gates and they typically only have like three flights, I think to Houston, Denver, and Chicago. Um, but obviously since Minnesota played in Lincoln, they had a Minneapolis uh, flight. Um, but so we get to the airport at like seven thirty, eight o'clock and there is no TSA or security there. And like nobody knows what's going on. And then uh, we're sitting there for like an hour and a half and there's just like rumors floating around of what's going on, obviously. And then uh, someone hops on the loudspeaker and says, oh, you guys can come upstairs and we're going to get some TSA and you can go through security and then we're going to give you some free pizza. And like we're the only people in the airport at this point. So um, but then we're like, what the heck does that mean? That doesn't tell us when our flight's going to leave. Like we should be in Minneapolis by now. And then. Uh, like five minutes later, different guy comes on loudspeaker and he's like, we're going to hop on the buses, drive an hour and 15 minutes to Omaha. And then uh, there's going to be a flight there for us to take. Uh, before They said before midnight, and this was at like 930 that he said this. Um, so then we drive like the hour, 15 minutes to Omaha. And when we're going there, uh, the guy said that. Uh, the players technically took our flight because your flight got like rerouted from Chicago. It was supposed to like the plane was supposed to come from Chicago and there was apparently like weather or something there. And 
So that stayed in Chicago, and then our flight you guys took. At least that's what he said. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> uh, but then we were in Omaha for like two hours waiting for a flight, and we ended up leaving at like midnight, um, getting to Minneapolis at like 1. Uh, the extra hour for daylight savings definitely helped, but uh, it was definitely a journey to get back from Nebraska. I thought that was just a funny story I should share. Yeah, going off of that, um, you know, after the games, we're typically – go right back to the airport and take a flight immediately back to Minneapolis. So, you know, we're sitting on the buses and I think we have everybody on the buses for about five minutes or so. So we're still sitting there. I'm like, okay. Uh, all of a sudden coach flag comes on the bus and he just announces, Hey, there's some, you know, flight difficulties right now. We're going to be going back to the hotel for, about two and a half hours um, and, you know, we're, we'll hit some recovery there, but, you know, just don't worry. We're going to get everything figured out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, on the bus, we're all talking like what's going on with the flight. Like, do we have a plane? Um, what's really going on here? Which is very atypical because I've never done that. I've never gone back to the hotel that you stayed at yeah. the night before, you know, some other sports may do that um, based on different traveling uh, itineraries and whatnot, but we've never done that. So that was that was a curveball thrown in there, but I think everyone handled it well. The coaches were, you know, watching the film, breaking it down, and us players were, you know, in the basement of this hotel watching Michigan State, Illinois, uh, <laughs> cheering on Michigan State, and, uh, you know, just – trying to get our legs back, sit down as much as possible. Uh, so, yeah, we we had no idea going through it, what was going on. And then I think once we got back in Minneapolis, I was just scrolling through Twitter and saw the fact that we took your guys' pilot or plane or something, <laughs> something of that sort. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah, uh, the, uh, that was like the – so, like, that was the first time ever I was going to, like, hop on a plane, go to Nebraska, and then come back the same day. Like, I've never done that before. Yeah. Like, went on a plane with no bags. And I, the whole time, I'm like, this almost seems, like, too good to be true. Like, someone just offered me tickets on, like, a Friday. And then on Saturday, I hop on the plane, go to the game, and I come back before, like, 8 o'clock. whole time, I was just saying this, and then it just couldn't have gone any worse. But it, it was still fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, thank you to you guys for yeah. biting the bullet for that. Yeah, it, it was funny because uh, there was a lot of, like, uh, older retired people that were, like, on the plane that you could tell were, like, alumni. And they do this stuff, like, most weekends. And then there were, like, a few, like, people that had, like, kids to get home to and, like, jobs. And, like, they were a little angrier than the 75-year-olds that had no responsibility. And when the uh, guy who, like, uh, designed the whole thing and was like running the whole trip got on the loudspeaker and he's like oh uh you guys are just such loyal fans to give uh, the plane to the uh players anything for a win blah blah blah, blah. and i i could tell there were a lot of people that weren't happy with that but uh, <laughs> yeah yeah no i can imagine <laughs> yeah. it would have been a lot worse i think if uh gophers didn't win so at, le at least at least that happened yeah that's very uh -huh. true yeah, but I guess we'll uh, wrap it up there this week. Um, as always, I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, row the boat, Sky Uman. Go, go, folks.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.